God's word for this morning comes from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of John. It's a part of God's word that we would normally hear during the Lenten season, perhaps on a Monday, Thursday. It goes as follows. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, I hope you caught that. He's about to show them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you will do them. So far, the reading of God's word. This morning, we are moving on to part three of our four-part series, God's Point of View. If you've been here every week, you know that the first week we take a look at how God sees us. You know, people are capable and lovable and reliable and forgivable and on and on. Last week, we turned it around and we said, how does God see other people? And perhaps we should see them in the same way. Today, I want to challenge you to go from the surface to the significant, to find out how to create a connectedness where you can love people and be loved by them, where you can know people and be known by them, where you can serve and be served, where you can be celebrated and you can celebrate with people. And so we're going to get going with two very big bullet points. You see them on your outline. Two big picture truths about relationships. Here's bullet point number one. Relationships are messy. You ever think about that? Relationships are messy. I mean, even the best of them sometimes go a little south and a little bit sour. You know, when you stop and think about it, even Jesus had relationships that were just a little bit weird when you think about it. I mean, remember when Jesus was 12? His parents lost him for three days. 
Can you imagine misplacing God? Or when he was a little bit older, he was at a wedding with his mom, and his mom leans over and says, Jesus, they're out of wine, can you help? And Jesus looked at her and says, I make no wine before it's time. Even his own brothers and sisters came one time and said, Jesus, I think, you know, the elevator's not going to the top floor. You're going a little bit crazy. I mean, they didn't really believe in him either. We know Jesus had other brothers and sisters. Can you imagine growing up with Mr. Perfect? Wouldn't that be interesting? Be honest, friends, this morning. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands here, but how many of you are currently in a relationship that goes backwards every once in a while? How many of you, when that relationship goes backwards, it's always the other person's fault? How many of you brought that person with you today? Again, you don't need to raise your hands. Don't be nudging people either. I'm just saying relationships are messy. It's a messy business. Here's the second big thing we need to know about it, and that's that God has created us to be in relationships. Even though they're, they're often messy at times, God created us to connect with other people, but not at these superficial levels we are so good at. See, to be alive, to be really alive, to live life to the fullest, to live life the way God has wired us all up to live, we need to be connected to other people. And yet there are so many people who go through life like they're riding on an elevator. You know how that works. You get in and you all stand like this and stare forward. I mean, God forbid we'd ever get on an elevator and face people and say, Hey, how's everybody doing? You'd be unloading them by the ambulance full if you did that. We kind of go through life. We're with people, but we're really all alone. And if we don't have any significant relationships in our life, guess what? We can hide. And when we hide, we also hide all of the broken pieces of our lives. Consider for a moment a young mom who screams at her kids and feels so guilty and so full of shame, but she has no one to tell that to because she's alone. Or consider the couple who look like they've got everything together. They sit in the same place every Sunday after Sunday. They've got a smile on their face, but when they go home, they live in separate bedrooms and they have nobody to tell about it because they're all alone. Or consider the college student, the prize of mom and dad's eyes, who has been on the honor roll as long as they can remember, but it's only the young girl who knows that she has cheated year after year after year and she too has no one to tell about it because she's all alone. Or maybe it's the businessman who's on a trip who says, when I'm out of town, I'm not going to be watching things or doing things or being in the wrong place. But every time he's out of town, he finds himself doing exactly what he said he would not do. And he's ashamed and he's embarrassed, but he has no one to talk to because he's all alone. I came into this church yesterday and I walked through and I prayed over every last pew, walking along with my hand on these pews and prayed for them. As I walked past them, and I've been here long enough to know now where some of you always sit. I know who you are, where you're at. I wondered though yesterday while I prayed, if those pews could talk, 
what kind of stories would they tell? I wonder how many lonely stories there are in these pews. No doubt some of the stories that the pews could talk would be very dramatic. Some of them might be very sad indeed. Friends, what's your story? What's the one thing that keeps you from living life to its fullest because nobody knows? You want to know how God sees relationships? God wants you to be known by other people. God wants you connected with other people. God doesn't want you living just on the surface with other people. He wants people in your life who will help mold you and shape you and change you, all for the purpose of helping make you more like Him. I guess if you ask me what this sermon's all about this morning, I would tell you it's really a challenge. It's a challenge to myself personally. It's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to go to a deeper place. It's challenging us to live more connected lives. A life that God designed for us to live. And I'm going to be honest, it's going to be a tough message for some of you. Because some of you are prone to sit back and say, I don't think this one's for me. After all, I know a lot of people. Let me be honest with you, friends. I don't care how many people you know. What I care about is, are you fully known? And are you fully loved? And are you fully celebrated? And are you fully connected with other people? Well, how do we learn how to do this? Well, I'm going to tell you, we learn it the same way we learn everything. We learn it right from God's Word. If you study the life of Jesus, His events, His teachings, His encounters, His healings, His miracles, you see that Jesus interacts with a lot of different people. And if you look closely, you can really learn something about it. You learn from his relationships. You see how Jesus went from the surface to the significant, and he did it by serving. We're going to take a look at this story today. He's dealing with some of his closest friends. And I want to just share with you this morning three things that Jesus did that I think if we could somehow learn to do them by his power would help us in all of our relationships as well. Here's the very first thing you notice about Jesus in this little story. He served without recognition. He did not need a badge or a sash or a crown. He just did it because he loved doing it. See, friends, relationships that are life-changing, where you move from this surface to significance, are filled with acts of sacrificial service. They're filled with thankless deeds that nobody ever stands up and applauds. Let me read to you a little bit again from John 13. Here's Jesus. Understand, Jesus is on the way to the cross. He is meeting for one of the last times with some of his very best friends. And this is what John 13 says again. Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his Father. He now showed the disciples what? the full extent of his love, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. Then he said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now you might ask, why did Jesus say, wash feet? 
I don't know about you, I'm a little embarrassed to have somebody wash mine. And I've had people do it already in a church service. Had me walk the aisle and come down and sit in front and take off my shoes and my socks and wash my feet and dry my feet and kiss my feet. And there was a part of me that says, oh man, is this ever embarrassing. But I gotta tell you, it made a deep, deep impression upon me as someone served me and wasn't looking for anything in return. I mean, I hear about that. You know, I wash feet. Now, come on, folks. You wash feet, too. I mean, why couldn't Jesus have said something like, uh, I'm going to give you a good example to follow. Make sure you open doors for women. And, you know, when Grandma comes over, help her with her chair. Or smile at people a lot. Or make people feel good. But no, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, wash feet. He goes from what? He goes from the surface to the significant. He takes you to the deepest level. He went deep, and in so doing, what does he do? When Jesus goes deep, he raises the bar. And he says the bar is serving. It's serving other people, and it's serving without any need of recognition. Now, I think most of you know that foot washing was part of that culture. I mean, people walked around in dirty places with sandals on all the time. I mean, there weren't paved streets. There weren't street sweepers. There weren't homeowners associations. Uh, and as a result, people's feet got dirty. And when they came in the house, it was normal to have their feet washed. But it was normally done by who? By a servant or a slave. And what does Jesus do? This respected teacher gets up, takes off his outer garments, puts on a towel, and washes feet. But friends, that's what serving is really all about. Serving is putting someone else's needs ahead of your needs. And I'll be honest with you. I'm, I work in kind of the service industry as a pastor. And I'm going to tell you, 20 years of serving, sometimes serving is messy. Sometimes serving other people really stinks, just like feet. Jesus said, though, do this as I did it for you. And that's the thing I keep in the back of my mind. Why do I do this? Jesus did it for me. That's enough reason. So on Monday, Thursday... Jesus headed to the cross. He gets his family together, and what does he say to them? Serve. When was the last time you ever served in a relationship? When was the last time you went out of your way for someone else? When was the last time you ever gave time to somebody when you really didn't have time? When was the last time you loaned somebody something and weren't the least bit concerned about whether you were going to get, back, get it back or not. Now, I know every time you talk about serving in church, and I've heard this before from people, they go, yeah, come on, Pastor, if I'm out serving people all the time, who's going to take care of me? And you have to say, did you just hear what I said? It's serving without recognition. See, none of us wants to be a doormat, and most of us, if the truth were told, we don't mind serving other people, but when it gets to the point that other people view us as their servant, we kind of want to back off. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus served us all the way, all the way to the cross. You know what Jesus got for that? My Bible says he got rejection, he got denial, he got pain, he got suffering, and he got nailed to a cross. But you know, by being nailed to a cross, he gave you and me another chance at life. 
That's what serving is. Serving is, is life-giving. You're never more like God than when you serve. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He served us. And he served the world all the way to the cross. And so if you want to move from this surface level in your life to significance, the first thing I again would say is serve without recognition. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Here's the second thing. Jesus served with compassion. He didn't just love people when they were happy. You know, I, I taught for 20 years, and I remember part of being a teacher, too. Somebody one time said in the faculty room, you know, teaching would be really great if it weren't for the kids. <laughs> I've also heard teaching is really great if it wouldn't be for the parents. That's more true than the kids. I suppose we could say being a pastor wouldn't be so bad if it weren't for the people. You know, when everybody's happy, I mentioned this in Bible class this morning. I heard this phrase already this morning. You know, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. The implication is when mom is happy, everybody's happy. Well, we all like to be happy. But you know what? Jesus didn't serve people just when they were happy. He didn't just serve the well-adjusted. He didn't just serve those people who were functioning at a really high level. Jesus knew how to connect with people who were really hurting. And when I think about that, one of the best examples I can think of the Bible is when his best friend Lazarus died. Remember that story? Mary and Martha send word, come, he's sick, he's going to probably die. When Jesus gets there, he finds out Lazarus is dead. Do you remember what Jesus did when he heard that? The Bible says he cried, he wept, he was surrounded by sadness, the tears rolled out of his eyes. He was a typical Jew. He probably wailed at the top of his voice. See, Jesus understands hurts. Jesus models compassion. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was going to take away the source of everybody's sorrow. But Jesus didn't let his strengths keep him from connecting to people in their weakness. Have you ever connected with somebody at their point of weakness? You know, when you do that, what you're really saying is, I care. I know you. I love you. You're not alone anymore. I've got your back. I'm somebody you can count on. Everybody here today, me, all the way to the back row, every last one of us here today needs someone to receive our hurt. But you know, people have great disguises. I mean, I look out at you, you're all press scrub, smiley faces for the most part. Not many of you look like you were baptized in vinegar. A few. But people are hurting. But we, we hide behind masks. I want you to think for just a moment of the people that you would say are your closest friends. Your friends. Do you know where those friends are hurting? If you don't, I would challenge the depth of that friendship. I mean, do you know how they grieve? Do you know their continual pain? When was the last time you ever just sat and listened to somebody talk about their hurt? But you know, in our fast-paced society today, we're kind of, hi, how are you? Fine, goodbye, see you. We kind of move at the surface all the time. We go out to dinner with people, and people we call friends, and what do we do? We we talk about football, and we talk about our kids, and we talk about our pets, and we talk about our cars. 
We talk a little bit about the fair, and then we all drive home and say, oh, isn't it wonderful to have such good friends? Now, I'll tell you, that's fine and good. But we never dig beneath the surface. The opportunities are there to find out that people are hurting and do what? To extend the comfort of Jesus to them. Now, I, I, I want you to know something. I am not suggesting that the next time you go out for lunch with somebody, that one of you say, oh, could we do a little icebreaker? Let's go all around the table. Let's tell everybody the worst sin you did this week and how you're hurting about it. I'm not telling you to do that at all. I'm just saying sometimes you need to kind of set aside the surface agenda to discover what's underneath because, believe me, I, I, I'm convinced all of us hurt some way. See, if you're a person who, who's asked Jesus to come and live in your life, if you're the person who said, I want you to be Lord of my life, then he's filled you with the Holy Spirit. That's his promise. And the Spirit in you can honestly minister to other people. The Spirit can give you courage to ask the right question. The Spirit will give you the wisdom to respond to people in ways you never thought you were capable of responding. I'm just saying, Jesus is teaching us, friends, don't stay on the surface. Weep with people who weep. I mean, stop the world every once in a while and listen. And in the process, serve them. And take that relationship just a little bit deeper. There's a third thing Jesus teaches us here, in that he served with truth. This is a tough one. He served with truth. In, in Mark 8, Jesus has got all of his disciples together, and he predicts his death. When he said, I'm about to go to die. You remember what Peter did? Peter grabbed him by the sleeve, jerked him aside, and said, Jesus, don't talk nonsense like that. Do you remember what Jesus said? He looked Peter in the eye, and he says, get away from me, Satan. You're talking like somebody who lives in the world. You're not talking about the things of God. Now, wow, think about Peter for a moment. He's given up everything in his life to follow this guy, and, he, and, and this guy turns around and calls him Satan, for heaven's sakes. Wow. Wouldn't it have been nicer to say something like, very politically correct, like, uh, oh, Peter, you maker of bad statements, silly you. But see, Jesus knew that Peter had to experience the sting of truth from someone who really loved him. Now, let's be honest. Truth can sting. Truth can hurt. But it's also the gift of love. I think of another time in Luke uh, 22 uh, where Peter says, I'd be willing to go to prison with you, Jesus. I'd be, be willing to die. What did Jesus say to him? Peter, are you familiar with roosters? Because there's going to be one that's going to crow three times, and you're going to say, Jesus, never heard of him. Jesus told him the truth again, but he did it in love. How many times, friends, in your relationships have you held back the truth because you were afraid of the sting? Maybe you did it because you wanted to be liked. You didn't want people to think badly of you or... You didn't want to create conflict. He's like, oh, somebody else is going to tell them. Now, this is not easy. And, and I, I'm, I'm still learning like you in my own journey to ask people to tell me the truth. Truth to help me see some things in my life that I might not always see. Or maybe not ready or willing to see. Who in your life are you willing to let hold up a mirror for you? In whose life... Do you hold up a mirror from time to time and say, friends, 
and I'm saying friend because I love you and I respect you, here's the deal in your life. But remember, the Bible says communicate that truth how? In love. You can't really express truth and love if you have no relationship, if you're just on the surface. I mean, if truth is not communicated in the context of love, if it doesn't come out of this relationship where there's compassion and serving, you know what it does? It doesn't do much. Now, I know that it doesn't take much intelligence to be critical. It takes intelligence, though, to be discerning and thoughtful and caring enough to say, friend, I'm going to tell you the truth because I care about you in such a way that I'm going to say it the way you're going to receive it. And like you, I get criticized. And to be real honest, I don't always like it. In fact, my wife would tell you I never like it. <laughs> but you know, when criticism comes from people I don't know, it's pretty easy to blow it off. That's probably true for you too. Somebody criticized you don't know, that's a big deal. But when you're in a relationship with someone, now I'm going to make this real. I've been married to Nancy for 44 years. Can I say this? When I saw you up at communion this morning, I thought, man, what a lucky guy I am. That's got nothing to do with the sermon, but I just want you to know that. I just thought from one, man, I'm really lucky to have her. She can speak the truth in love to me. I'm not saying I receive it well, <laughs> but, but I know it's said in love. It's helpful. But you can't do that if you're only on the surface with people. Make sure you know people before you speak the truth in love, though. I mean, if somebody invites you over to their house today for lunch, you don't really know them, and after the lunch they say, hey, John, how did you like my lima bean spam Velveeta cheese uh, raspberry jello salad? Don't be saying, whoa, I've been waiting for somebody to ask me a question because Pastor this morning talked about telling the truth, and i got to tell you, that stuff you just served was the most evil, wicked, disgusting, vile stuff. I almost upchucked right here. Don't cook again. Don't do that. Speak the truth in love. Have a relationship. Serve without recognition. Serve with compassion. Serve with truth. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? It's not. Quite honestly, the problem is if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail time after time. I know that. Been there, done that. Without God's presence in your life, without God's power in your life, you're going to just dabble in surface kinds of stuff. See, if you're, if you're Jesus, that kind of stuff would come natural, but you're not Jesus. See, every significant event in Jesus' life, where did he get the power to do those things? You study the life of Jesus to know how he got to this point where he could be this kind of guy? I think it's kind of interesting. Look at every significant event in the life of Jesus, and you're going to see that what preceded that event or followed that event was spending time alone with God. He went alone to pray and then something happened or something happened and he went alone to pray. He spent time with the person who created relationships. He spent time with someone who was going to teach him and then he taught us what he learned. On your message outline I put down one great thing he taught us. Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God. How? With all of your uh, heart, your soul, your entire mind. And he said, that's the first and the greatest commandment, but second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the commandments hang on those things, he said. In other words, the deeper you go with God, 
the deeper you'll be able to go with God's people. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind, and it makes it easier to love other people that he's created as well. Relationships always work best when they're in the context of a living, loving, lasting relationship with God through Jesus. What an example we have. I mean, Jesus started this for us, folks. He, he was the one who served us. He's the one who took our hurts. He's the one who showed us the truth about ourselves and, and the truth about himself. And if you want to win in relationships, you've just got to be connected with the one who created them. You need to be in relationship with the one who gives the wisdom and the discernment and the courage and the boldness to serve and have compassion and to learn to speak the truth in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, for your word. Thank you for the people that are here. We thank you that your love for us is so great and so deep. We thank you that the only way we can love others is by experiencing your love. We thank you that your love for us wasn't based on what we do, but rather that it was based on who you are. Father, may we be different people as we leave here today because of your love. May we stop living on the surface and, and journey with people at a deeper level. We can't do it on our own. We need your help. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.